Wikipedia, which is never. <laughs> <laughs> This, this will I thought I would start by reading the opening crawl. There you go. And uh, then we could go from there. Turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying, outlying star systems is in dispute. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> We've wait. been had. No! <laughs> oh, wait. Episode 7. The Force Awakens. Ah. Luke Skywalker has vanished. <laughs> In his absence, the sinister First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support of the Republic, General Leia Organa leads a brave resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku, where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke Skywalker's whereabouts. So we open with the assault on Tanul, where Poe, who is the most daring pilot, uh, and BB-8 are retrieving the, a piece of the map to find Luke Skywalker. Um, and Kylo Ren shows up. Um, well, I'm sorry, Kylo Ren and Captain Phasma show up. Mm. and uh, bring a flamethrower to this uh, village where the uh, Church of the Force, I believe is what they're called, uh, are living. Ch- Church of the Force? Mm-hmm. Really? That's what they're called? Uh-huh. I think so. Wow. And and who is the old guy? Because I feel like uh, Von Sydow is the sort of actor you don't bring out for just two minutes. Lor San Tekka. He is the one who has the star chart to Luke Skywalker's location. It feels like there's, of course, some backstory to that whole thing that we're not privy to, like who that person is and why he's important and why Poe is out to see him. Did anyone watch the Clone Wars series? I'm in the middle of season one okay, or near the end of season one. I'm I'm slowly working through it because uh, I'm on kind of a Star Wars binge right now. Is it is it good? I've watched the first two episodes and I kind of couldn't, couldn't, I don't know. It's, it's I, pretty highly variable. Cause there's like, there are episodes where it's like Jar Jar slapstick hijinks for most of the episode. That's clearly for kids. Uh, and some of the combat gets kind of samey, but there's some, there's some interesting stuff. Um, like the last one I watched had two of the clone troopers, like looking after a little Twi'lek girl in a, in a combat zone. And I feel like, that's the sort of interesting, vaguely sci-fi story you can tell within the greater Star Wars universe, no matter when you set it, you know? Hmm. Well, Lors San Tekka was around for the uh, Clone Wars, but I can't find anything that says whether he shows up in that series or not. But um, according to Wikipedia, that is uh, where uh, the Resistance would be familiar with him from. Good My guess is he might he might show up in the the three books they're writing that sort of run up to the movie. Oh yeah, I have um, aftermath on hold at the library, but obviously I haven't read it yet. Or were you talking about a different trilogy? No, that, yeah, that's what I was talking about. I have not read it either. I have also not read it. I have also not read it. 
So maybe this is a, a quick aside. Uh, what what level from zero to Syracuse did you uh, manage for spoiler avoidance, information, trailer viewing, extended you know novels and visual dictionaries and whatnot before seeing the film? I watched the trailers, but I tried to stay away from any sort of other information because I I'm you know from the trailers I could pretty much figure out what's going to happen already. Yeah, that last trailer, like that one, that one kind of, I ended up in a lot of it, recognizing a lot of the scenes and having expectations for what was going to happen uh, in a lot of the scenes. So uh, I kind of wish I had avoided that last one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I didn't really know any of the uh, surprises. Uh, oh, I mean, it uh, makes me glad that I didn't watch the second trailer then. Yeah. It it had a lot of it, you know. It was the only one with like a plot based narration, uh, you know, from the voice of a number of characters, and yeah, it kind of kind of exposed a lot. I did reasonably well. I didn't. I was not intentionally seeking to avoid, but trying to kind of keep my experience as neutral as possible. But unfortunately, I think. The day before I went and saw it, I had a major spoiler on Twitter. Just one. 10,000 tweets on Star Wars and only one spoiler. So I did reasonably oh. well. I had no mute filters and never had a spoiler. Yeah. I unfollowed the person. So yeah, definitely. Think it would deserve. Report for spam. Yeah. I actually got uh, spoiled uh, moderately on Facebook because when you're skimming the timeline now, they elevate a comment up to the top level if it's gotten a lot of likes. And, you know, so someone was having a discussion that they thought was, you know, buried in a, in a thread and, and the algorithm brought it up to the top of the timeline. But that just, that just told me that, um, somebody died, not who, but I could piece it together from the trailers. I feel like some, some of that stuff was pretty telegraphed, you know, just throughout the whole movie. Oh, sure. Within the first maybe 20 minutes, you probably knew what was going to, wh- where things kind of had to end. Okay, I'm going to add someone to the call. Make sure they turn off their fan and air conditioner. Hmm. Hmm. If only I could turn off my upstairs neighbors. So, whoop. Oh, he's busy. Hmm. I was hoping it'd be Dan. Oh, Sorry. He's online. He's not. Uh, he's away though. Dan is. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, about probably office Skype machine. Is Merlin, Merlin on? I don't know Merlin's. Sorry. Do you? No. Okay. Yet. Uh, so this is a movie about a couple of buddies who go on a journey through space. Is this right? Mm. Yes, and they meet kind of randomly. Yeah, they do. I like the opening shot and the pan down from the uh, from the crawl. I like yeah, the it was, big. It's yeah. good they uh, kept that. I was I always get a little nervous that they're gonna skip out on some of the kind of classic cinematography tropes in Star Wars, but um, it seemed like they really nailed it from the you know from the Lucasfilm on down to the the pan down from a ship and a space battle, and it was pretty great. Yeah, and my my recollection was that they did not have a lot of the real um, heavy wipes that Lucas himself loved. You know, where 
where the the styled I forget what the technical term, but where it you know sweeps from the bottom or the the diagonal mm-hmm. scene wipes. Yeah, they did a lot of circular um, center wipes mm. like that. I noticed, but they weren't like hard cuts. You know, they were sort of blended in. Right. Yeah, I think visually, um, I mean that that. The first few sequences of introducing some of the visuals were just really, really impressive. Um, you know, we had gotten a sequence of the the first order trooper landing ships in the first trailer, I think, and yeah. like that had a more um, Abrams vibe to it. You know, flashing light and darkness and 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 that, but it also really set the tone for what was about to happen on uh, what was the planet called again, or the village Tuanul. Uh, T-W-N-A. Tuna. Tuna. TFA. Yeah, I like the, I like the, I mean, some of those, some of those more Star Wars-y, the classic kind of Star Wars-y shots, like the, the, the long, uh, you know, most of them don't, aren't a great suit for a trailer, like those very sort of jolting, uh, shaky cam stuff that, that, uh, that you see in that first trailer. But I did. I do like that it it, it combines that nice uh, sort of tr- almost traditional Star Wars pan down from the crawl onto a planet, and then space spaceships, and then the, the cut to the inside of the of the uh, transport was was very effective in in uh, instantly kind of getting you into the action uh, very quickly. It was really nice. And I think that's something this film does particularly well is kind of walk that line right where they need to be between being subservient to the vision of Star Wars previous and kind of putting Abrams' own stamp onto the visual styling. And it comes out in other places too in the acting and in the in the story as well that that same – kind of tension between the the Star Wars we loved as kids and kind of the future that they're building. And I think that one of the greatest strengths of this film is how well they held that intention to, in tension with each other together and never seemed to fall too far one way or the other. Hmm. There were a few minor like fan service, I guess you would call it, things that I – you know, I, everyone chuckled. Uh, I guess that's a different thing, right? Uh, but everyone, everyone chuckled at like the um, the holographic chess game flipping on in the Millennium Falcon at one point, mm. and yeah, like, that was neat. But also, unlike a lot of the other homages, both visual and in the dialogue, didn't seem really as useful in, in a way. Like it was just like, there to say. Remember yeah. this thing? <laughs> yeah. Here's that and thing. And it was you kind of weird when you think of it out of context from a from a perspective of someone who's never seen Star Wars, like uh, whoever that might be. But uh, the story, if 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 nobody had seen the previous, uh, you know, incarnations, then it it wouldn't make sense because there's nothing that has nothing to do with the scene. It's just kind of really out of left field. So it kind of just stuck out like a sore thumb to me too. Yeah. That, that was one of the few that really stuck out to me. Um, it wasn't that the, many. The I was surprised. More, yeah. The rest were much more subtle and, and fit 
in the context of the story they were trying to tell with with the new main characters. So I, I mean, I I, um, I strongly encourage my brother in law who was joining us to see it, uh, who, but had never seen Star Wars to watch the original trilogy, and he watched A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But now having seen The Force Awakens, I think he probably would have been fine. Like they did a really, really good job of making it, you know, a, a space operatic news story that had a lot of stuff that called back to the original. But you really could get into it without feeling lost in spite of all the world building done in the original trilogy. Hmm. I, I guess you might find the whole role of like the, the relationships between the old characters would be more confusing because you wouldn't know why people were to, ever together or... You know, who I found it was, confusing, and I do know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that stuff was a little bit. I, I get. I don't know. I can't decide whether I liked it or not. That they they didn't quite explain the breakdown between Han and Leia, and I I don't I just don't know. But something about it just felt kind of weird. I don't know. Well, I think it's another you, one of those clues where you knew he wasn't going to make it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. But I think they each had their own quick perspective on it where like Han was basically, you know, smugglers got to smuggle and Leia was like, you always leave. And they didn't need to say much more than that. Mm. Well, and the other thing is, is that the the subtext to why they're estranged from each other isn't immediately evident in the first meeting. Right. We don't know for sure that Kylo Ren is the yeah. is solo son yet do we Mm-mm. so i i don't remember exactly where in that film that comes but i think that some of that's filled in in the later han leia stuff especially kind of around the the major super weapon battle towards the end so i'm wondering if that's kind of why it wasn't immediately apparent but i also think that the acting between han and leia does an awful lot to give you enough to go on as far as what their relationship is, even if it yeah. doesn't give enough as to why it got that way. Yeah. There's a lot you got to really infer from context in the movie, you know, from the political situation to like, <clears throat> lots of people are just confused about like, what's the Republic and what's the resistance and how mm. are they like working together and what is Leia's role? Like they could have spent an extra paragraph in the title crawl explaining something. Right. And that that political situation, I feel, would have been less confusing if they just didn't say anything, if that makes sense. If if they never really mentioned the Republic, they just there's this new order, some sort of thing going on. And and as they create other movies, then they can kind of fill that in later. But I felt like they mentioned that there's all these separate entities and then they didn't really tell you how they're related. I think they were scared of uh, getting of overdoing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, the prequels, you know, for a good reason. Yeah. I, what I want to know is, is what kind of meetings happened in rooms that led to this political arrangement? <laughs> yeah. Or were they all holographic and everyone was giant sized and yeah, a, a, a literal beehive of spaceships <laughs> in the background. I, 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 it did not concern me. I did not, uh, you know, I've only watched it once and I was bothered by it. Not a bit. I, it didn't, it, it, it truly didn't even occur to me. Maybe I wasn't looking at that aspect of the plot very critically, but, um, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. 
I, I was well, certainly I, curious, but <clears throat> not bothered. Yeah, was, you know, I was really into the the EU stuff, so I wanted to know kind of what the situation was, and you know, maybe what they borrowed and what I could infer from knowing what happened in the EU to kind of predict what was going to happen next, and you know. So yeah, I felt yeah, I, I felt like I was just kind of missing a bunch of pieces of the puzzle. And I don't have that background at all. I, I've never read any of the EU stuff and got Same. never really got into it. But I did just recently, like the day before, watch the last couple uh, the pre- of the previous uh, episodes, and and uh, I kind of went into it with this feeling of like, well, okay, what happened after they won? Because you're you're left on the Return of the Jedi with them having won. And and so you kind of want to know well what happened and it kind of doesn't really quite get answered in a way that felt that comfortable to me. I mean, like I said, it's a small quibble because I think it was an amazing movie, but uh, yeah, it, it just there was something a little weird about it. I felt right, uh, and maybe well, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, and maybe part of that is sort of a, a meta awareness by Disney that they have plenty of time to to tell other right, stories right. in between uh you know one you know i've always thought that uh seeing uh, what happened uh, in between episode 3 and episode 4 would be cool like there's a lot of hole in the story there and maybe there's some here that's left to be told as well uh which well, kind you know, of kind of piggybacking off that point right there is the other thing is is that these are intentionally you know they're intentionally styled after old serials and part of that is not putting the pieces together it's just like we're going to throw you in media res into this middle of the story and we're Mm. just going to show you pieces of it the whole story exists in somebody's head but none of not all of it is ever going to reach the screen Hmm. yeah well you know that's why there were lots of video games and lots and lots of books and you know there were there was a lot of really bad bad writing and, you know, bad rehashing of tropes and everything. But there was some really, really good stuff that, that people got very attached to. Um, and so you want you want to know, you know, what happened. Are they going to rehash it? Are they going to bring any of these things back? Because they're, you know, they're paying some kind of lip service by using the old planet names. And, you know, the, the star map ends at Rakata Prime, which is, I think, was first from a Bioware game. I'm curious. It's been kind of interesting watching them having wiped away basically the entire old EU continuity as part of getting ready for this film and then having the film kind of reference a lot of that ancillary material and, you know, children existing, who they belong to, kind of their own storylines. It seems like that the new films are going to be borrowing pretty heavily of the elements of the EU without necessarily grabbing all of its continuity. Yeah, I think in particular this, there were pieces here that I felt very strongly reminded me of the Jedi Academy trilogy, which was, I think, the second major post-Endor trilogy. I think it was a smart move on on Disney's behalf because they they kind of have their cake and they eat it too, right? They get to say we're mm. not beholden to any of that, but we are going to use some of it as it suits us. And I think I think that's good because they can they can make use of all that that back catalog of stuff without without being tied in knots around some stuff that they don't want to use. I I think that makes sense. I, I was kind of happy about that from a 
perspective of someone who's never really gotten to, into the extended universe, but who kind of has heard about it, uh, that that there is a lot of deeper stuff going on here that they are going to be using. That was that was kind of cool. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of similar threads. You know, um, the the mm-hmm. First Order is a lot like um, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and you can kind of infer maybe from some theories that you know there's some sort of relation between Ray and Ben, which is uh, you know a common thing. Mm-hmm. So they're they're borrowing pretty heavily. Well, I would say it's not probably any different than when a comic gets a reboot. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you can pull now you can pull these villains who were kind of restricted to to the old universe and reimagine them. And with Star Wars, you can do that right. both with villains and heroes. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't do it with some stupid alternate universe thing that they tried to explain. <laughs> uh, JJ has tried that before, so mm-hmm. he knows how that goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd rather it just—I'd rather it just be it just be summarized and 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 not explained at all than poorly explained. That's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, that, I'm looking at you, original trilogy or uh, prequel trilogy. <laughs> yep, yep. Bingo. Yeah, and that's one of the. The problems I had with the movie was there was a little too much. Um, we're going to pay service to the old stuff, and yeah. I, I thought a lot of the Han and Chewie Millennium Falcon stuff was a little contrived. Yeah, I think the the, the thing the thing that <laughs> that really stuck out to me it's just weird was was when Han borrowed Chewie's uh, bowcaster. Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> that was just like that had to have been an onset ad lib moment because it was too weird it was even even harrison ford's didn't he didn't quite sell it like like it was almost like he was excited as harrison ford not he was excited as han solo does that make make any sense at all it was it was just weird yeah han's characterization in general seemed a little different but i mean some of that might have to do with the fact that like you know harrison ford had all the uh, you know the injury related stuff that affected the filming schedule and uh you know they know that this is the f- the final arc for his character right. and you know so he's he's like the the primary character actually no that's not true i think he's the the second biggest character from the original trilogy in the movie the first biggest is the millennium falcon itself mm-hmm. hmm. well i think harrison ford wanted han to die in jedi I'm sure of the Jedi, but it wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, but yeah, he seemed like he was kind of mailing it in for a, a large portion of the movie. Well, the other thing to consider also is that Harrison Ford is now 73. Right. <laughs> and in how many plane crashes has he been? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I saw something referencing that almost all of his she- scenes are shot from the waist up because he was in yeah. various kinds of braces and whatnot. But also <laughs> there are a few sh- few scenes where like he was running like someone with some pretty serious injuries or pain um Mm. or or kind of half jogging and um you know they were trying to replicate some of those moments like from the first uh death star where they were running down the halls and avoiding stormtroopers and it just didn't didn't work which so i think one of the weirder i guess very jj moments was the whole thing with the rathgar monsters on their salvage ship 
like I, I appreciated the whole like he was playing the two gangs against each other, but then mm-hmm. just these weird toothy monsters running around the ship was it 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 kind of was a little bit Star Wars because it's weird aliens, but it was a little bit imported from somewhere else. Yeah, they look like the Marlboros from Final Fantasy. <laughs> it was it was uh it was weird because it seemed like there was a bit too much uh action shots like cutting on on those scenes. I think that's what made it feel not as Star Warsy as maybe a previous cuz cuz you've got other scenes from from the previous movies that are that are kind of like that too but but there's there's a lot more left to the imagination I guess. Sure, so you've I think got that like might the, have been what was going on there. The trash compactor Dianagas right. where all you see is a little, you know, a little bit of tentacle, a little eye. So some of that might be prequelitis where it's like well we can do this big complicated digital thing so why not? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think it didn't look that – it looked good. That's what I was worried about mm. because <laughs> you watch the prequels and things don't look good. And I feel like at least it did look – it looked Star Warsy. Yes. Yeah, that whole – the whole scene really didn't work for me either. I don't, I don't understand why at that point in his life Han Solo – there was no reason for him to have two gangs wanting the same thing, it seemed to me. It didn't – didn't make sense it's like why why are you taking this risk it does, it, right that's that's part of the thing that people and i've listened to all these other podcasts where people talk about about force awakens and and a lot of people say they make excuses for han saying oh hey he he well you know he's going back to what he knows he's a he, you know he's he's a this kind of outlaw kind of character but then they justify things by saying well han's older now well you can't like you can't really have it both ways, right? Like if he's older, he's probably not going to make a lot of those same decisions that are going to involve such crazy risks. I would feel like, I, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so I mean, shouldn't he be sm- more of a Lando? I mean, he should be more of a Lando, right? right? Like yeah. respectable running some weird operation somewhere where he right. just kind of lets if the cash you're a smuggler, flow. you either die young or, you know, you grow old and retire and run a little <laughs> smuggler business. Well, uh, maybe this is, you know, a, a, a touch of speculation headcanon on, on my part, but isn't some of the some of the breakup trauma kind of feeding into him being reckless again? Like he's trying to recapture something about this past that he can't get back to, you know, this past where he was with Leia and his son wasn't on the evil, you know, hadn't turned evil yet and, and along those lines. So, so it's like trying to get back to that thing where you felt comfortable in the universe. Mm. Certainly. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's, he's grown out his hair and he's gotten a convertible and he's, you know, he's, uh, I don't know. It, it's sort of, uh, it, you know, he's lost his ship. He's owes a lot of people money. You know, he's, he's in hard times. And, uh, so you, you wouldn't expect him to be in a position to relax when he's, I mean, part of his, his whole arc, uh, throughout the you know, all the uh, movies, is that he's owed people money. Uh, it's been a major theme, uh, major plot uh, component. So I don't know. I found it pretty believable. So I do have a little minor nit with this with the scene here on the on the ship. Do we really need ethnically appropriate or perhaps inappropriately styled gangs coming in? <laughs> like why? 
why is that a thing? Why do we need I didn't, you know, I didn't gang know there of was... Asians versus gangs <laughs> of British colonials? Yeah, it's that's like, I don't quite get why that has to be that way. The space yakuza. Yeah, that felt a lot like the um, the Trade Federation guys in Episode One, where it's just like ooh, and that, and I feel like we've come, you know, twenty fifteen versus nineteen ninety nine is already a pretty significant difference, and they should know better. Yeah, well, I saw that and I was like, "Oh God, here we go again." But it didn't. Uh, it didn't get that bad. It was like the yeah. only place where it was like that. Right. Exactly. I think that's yeah. where it stands out because the rest of the film does so really well, like with the the diversity of the cast and of the characters, and it just really stood out in that particular scene. And kind of rewatching it the second time again, it was like, "Why? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> When, weren't they they were even called the kanji club right which is <laughs> the writing system right it's kind of odd you know at, at a certain point uh in a, in, in, I, you know i'm happy in some in some cases just to a certain extent and I, again i'm going to be forgiving guy on this one i'm happy to just let a few MacGuffins be MacGuffins and and you know just kind of have the story um Right, because they didn't play a huge part in the in the overall theme of the movie. They, I mean, that was such a a small little section there that they that those characters were featured in. Right, they got slightly more backstory than like random cantina alien. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of random can, uh, cantina alien, um, the cantina scene in this film has a song. Did that song strike you as being memorable? At all? No, I you know I, <laughs> and I was so excited for the Cantina song, and then it comes on. And it's like uh, <laughs> that doesn't okay. sound like space jazz. Well, so so okay. I I had watched like I said, Return of the Jedi the day before, and I I don't have the despecialized uh, at hand. So I was watching the bastardized version of it, and the all the cantina stuff was like amplified in that version that Lucas went on. Oh God. Added so... to. There's like a little, it's, it's really bad, but what it made me realize was how the original cantina scene in return of the Jedi, the music sounds really appropriate, but then they made more music to go along with the scenes that, that just stuck out like a sore thumb. It did not sound right. It did not sound like it was from the same time and place. It just did not have the same sound. And and so what I really noticed when I saw this in The Force Awakens was that this music actually does sound appropriate to the time and place. It's not as good as that Cantina music, uh, you know, from the original trilogy, but I thought I thought it was really good. Like I, I really noticed, in fact, that I liked it more than a lot of the score. The score seemed kind of like it just didn't do much for me it wasn't bad it wasn't amazing it was just kind of there but that music that they that they played in the in that that were like songs being played by characters it felt really really good and i wonder if that was composed by somebody that wasn't john williams it it was i isn't it the hamilton guy it is the hamilton guy right right i did yeah okay i knew he worked on it but i didn't know what he did hmm that explains it um I did grab the uh the soundtrack the other day and and I've listened through it once and it's 
mostly the familiar leitmotifs, um, which I thought were used really, really well, uh, especially at the end of the movie, which I think we'll get to in a bit. But um, I thought in particular, I think we kind of skipped over the the scenes with Ray on Jakku, but mm-hmm. her theme and introduction as she's exploring the crashed uh, Star Destroyer was, you know, there's no dialogue, there's some great musical beats, some great visuals, and that mm-hmm. was just like a, a very much like some of the stuff on in A New Hope on Tatooine where you're like, oh, who is this kid Luke? It it gave a lot of uh, text and subtext for Ray. Yeah, and those shots were epic. Yeah, uh, that 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 first part of the movie that 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 takes place on Jakku, all that stuff was so good. It was so on point. It just felt so perfect. I was so happy when I was watching the movie. Like little things stood out. Like, and this goes throughout the rest of the movie. But like Ray was sweaty. <laughs> the whole time and and you wouldn't you wouldn't get that in a in a in another movie you wouldn't have got that in the prequels you know they they take this female character and let let them be a person instead of being some sort of uh, eye candy or so you know what i mean it, it was it was like actual grime everywhere it, it, it felt like things had substance I, it was just amazing she made me writing i love that character. Yeah. Love her. And I'm, and it's one of the reasons I was happy that J.J. Abrams was was doing it because he's got a, a history for really developing good, strong female characters. Yeah, there's um there's a lot of depth to her that gets introduced very early on. And um uh especially later in the movie, uh, you know, where you where you see her really kind of st- figuring things out uh that gets really interesting one thing i'll also add with the with the jaku scenes is i was so caught up in it i also thought poe was dead even though i had seen the trailers and knew that he later was flying an x-wing and i hadn't seen him fly an x-wing you know what i mean like i was very much yeah i thought that, I transported thought so i thought he was dead for sure there's no way yeah. anyone who's that good survives <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> the other just thing. too he was, good he was yeah he was cut from that um hero archetype cloth like way more than anyone you know handsome and dashing and he's in the opening crawl and like he seems to to tick all the boxes and then he's just gone because he's actually kind of a minor character and that i felt further emphasizes how important ray and finn are to the story what i think's interesting about ray is that there's so much about her that is unexplained even though she is um, the main character i would say and, and even though there's so much that happens with her there's still all these other things that are that are very subtly hinted at like in that opening she she whenever she talks to people she has all these questions about the resistance about the rebels about the, what had happened in the past she has all these and, and it doesn't seem like anybody else is that curious, right? It doesn't seem like this is a world where everybody's curious like this, but she's very curious and has never explained why, you know? And, and I think that that offers so many possibilities for, for who she's going to be and, and what her background is. It's real. it's a really great character. I would say she's not like any other main character that we've, mm. well, any main hero we've seen, I, I right. guess the good side, like, um, if you look at 
the original trilogy. Luke, it's pretty straightforward who he is and, and what he believes in. Leia is the same way. Han is the same way. We, you know, we, we know what these characters are about within just a few minutes of uh, meeting them. And she's this complete enigma. You know, we we don't know we don't know who her parents are. We don't know why she's there. You know, it's it's uh, you know just this huge mystery around the main character. Yeah, I mean, I guess the first main character thing we learn about her, you know, other than her just ch- her chance encountering BB-8 and then Finn, uh, you know, we learn that she's uh, interested in defending the defenseless. You know, because she wants to get BB-8 back from that scrap trader. And then uh, at once they start their whole escape scene, like she's obviously, we know right away that she's force sensitive because nobody can pilot, uh, you know, Millennium Falcon through a crashed Star Destroyer superstructure that successfully, you know, mm-hmm. through, you, through you, even Han Solo levels of luck aren't sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. No, she should, try, sufficient. she should try some pod racing. <laughs> mm. I'm hoping you think the next there's movie will be mostly pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> Swoop bikes. Oh, there you go for some uh, EU deep cuts. Yeah, that that probably went over most people's heads, including me. I'm not I'm including myself in that <laughs> over the over the head group. You think you think Jakku has some swoop gangs? Mm. Tunnel snakes rule. <laughs> Mm. Is that canonical? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is this the show? So that the, the, one of the <laughs> things that interested me about Ray was they do present her at the beginning as someone who wants to do good, but at some point she gets uh, you know okay she finds the the lightsaber and she has her mental break and she's basically like okay I need to go back to where I was because I'm waiting for somebody somebody's gonna come back and see me. Um, so mm-hmm. I got to get out of here. You know, I, you guys are doing, you guys seem to have this under control. Um, so I'm just going to go back to where I was, where I didn't expect that from her character. I expected her to keep wanting to go forward to, you know, join the resistance and want to help them. But she has, since she's been on this planet, since she was six or whatever, that she's got this mental complexity, this barrier where that's that's all that's the only reason she's on Jakku is because she's waiting for somebody. Well, or that's the only reason she's survived, right? I think I think it's this theme that you see in people who survive these huge catastrophes or long ordeals that they they have this will to hold on to this thing and I think that's her thing, right? She's she's been able to survive in this really terrible environment and situation because she has this hope for some event that she, that's not really explained. And that's, that's interesting to me. Cause, cause I have, I don't know what that, that is. It, she's waiting for the people who left her there for her parents for, it's not really fleshed out. Um, but it's, well, yeah. it's really interesting. I, I think it's supposed to, you know, really bring up the question of who her parents are, because that's yeah. obviously going to be a central part of the plot moving forward. Right. Yeah, yeah it just, it's it just it's the oh sorry it just threw me off that she was like well should I go adventure with Han Solo or should I go back to my quarter ration of Instabread? 
that's a, that's a it's what they call a a, a dilemma where each uh, choice is equally bad. Right? <laughs> I yeah, there's kind that... of she kind of imprints on Han Solo, right? Like, wait, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, she's got a lot of the same traits. She's a a good pilot, and you know, she's able to operate the Millennium Falcon instinctively. Right. At some point during the movie, I was thinking, I wonder if she's Han's daughter that that they pulled one of these things where they they put her somewhere safe because something was going on. Uh, and because he kind of gave her these looks of these kind of knowing glances like I don't know, maybe I misread the acting there, but it, it seemed like he was trying to portray no. that he knew something about her. There was something that was peaking some knowledge about something My, that was yeah. the idea i got but but obviously that's not you know true because well i, yeah, I guess could it could be. be but yeah i don't think so <laughs> you know they don't give her a last name yeah. but you know in the eu uh han and, uh, and leia had twins right a boy and a girl and you know one was a uh, one was good and one was bad and they had it out so i'm it kind of makes me wonder about that but then i wonder if it's a, a red herring and you know maybe she's luke's who knows yeah i would really i guess i would really be gratified if there are as few surprise familial connections as possible mm. i think that's pretty pretty well used in the star wars uh uh cinematic universe anyway uh yeah i'm 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 not hoping for it i'm hoping i'm, I'm hoping there's a another explanation well, there's a reason they haven't given her her last name, and that's because you know, whoever her parents are is is important. Whether it's Kenobi or it's Skywalker or Solo or whatever, it it seems like it would be natural for them to have that be a reveal during the climax of the second film. I I thought for sure it was going to be a cl- climax at the end of the first film. Yeah, I was waiting mm. for that to happen. I, yeah, I'm mm. so. That's one of my my beef is not that they didn't do that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Save it for the second movie or whatever. But the the end scene where she goes up the the island and holds out the lightsaber to him, that scene felt like it went on about a minute too long. Mm. Of her just I mean, standing oh, there. Oh, see, I I if love that may, scene. If we may have a minor technical like film moment. Uh-oh. That that helicopter shot is one of the most poorly chosen and executed shots I've okay. seen in a film in a pretty long time. I mean, just because <laughs> the the tension of that scene is there is between Luke and Ray, and that's where all the tension is. And then all of a sudden, we're zooming out and we're mm-hmm. flying around them in a big circle, and we're like trying to peel them out of the in focus background as it flies by, and you're like why 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 is this happening right now other than the fact that this film needs an ending of which there could have been like 30 other moments two seconds before then to pick it's like why do we need that to be there i mean that's honestly that's the only huge misstep i saw from a film Mm. kind of technical perspective okay that's on this entire one i'm in agreement with you that's the part that i don't i don't like is the helicopter shot um, i'll buy that where they um dug up you know, the five megapixel camera from um, my college days mounted it on some kind of a drone and uh, shot that horrible <laughs> shot. 
At least there was no smoke monster. Hmm. <laughs> I'll have to keep an eye out for that in the second half because I, I really like that scene, but I think a big part of that was the the getting Luke's theme and, and that I had expected this early on in the movie. I was pretty sure they'd find Luke at the very end or be about to find him. I think they did. Ha- the scene did have to go on for a little while to, to kind of sell. I mean, the whole point is, is you need to kind of be suspended in that moment of, is he going to, you know, first is he, you know, what, ha- what does he even look like when he turns around? Then there's what, how does she react? And then there's the, the final sort of spring of tension, which is, is he, are we going to see him say anything uh, before the credits roll? And, uh, you know, you draw that out as long as possible and it, it kind of, uh, lets you have that uh, sort of moment of relief uh, or I don't know if it's relief. Maybe relief is the wrong, wrong word, but I feel like that did have to go on for a little while, mm-hmm. uh, maybe artificially so, but it, it didn't feel super too long to me, though I'm, I'm with everybody else who's spoken negatively about the helicopter shot. Well, and I think that you highlight, the, you highlight really, really well why I think the closing shot should have been like a circle, like a circle, clo- uh, circle panned black on... Luke's face and his kind of neutral reaction and leaving us with that last thought of being, will he, won't he? And setting us up for what happens next particularly well. And I think that there is a way to, there would have been a way to do that in the film and kind of give Luke's reaction a little bit more complexity than, than Mark Hamill brought. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, there are lots of choices made in that last scene that just kind of leave me going, oh, okay. Well, I feel like it would have been a lot more appropriate to pull focus from a, from, from the lightsaber and Ray's hand to, to Luke, I, rather than doing this swirling helicopter shot. Cause I liked that. I liked that last scene. I really did. I thought it was really important to the movie. I, I thought it made sense, but I just feel like the shot, was too much at the end there it could have been done a lot of different ways that's all i'm I'm saying i think that's kind of what mike is saying too sorry uh real-time follow-up she was left on jakku at the age of five not seven that's important mm-hmm. okay Apparently. we can proceed now <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to jump back to what you guys thought about um kylo ren uh you know as a villain as a character um, especially in relationship to the other characters we've already talked about. I am particularly fond of how complex of a portrait that he ends up having in this film. And the kind of the, the interplay, the tension inside of his own character is really apparent in, in the text and also on his face as he's you know going through all of the things that he's going through. And I think that it really bespeaks well of this trilogy's hopeful ability to take the archetypes that we deal with and deal with them in more complex ways than simply saying, okay, here's the embodiment of pure good and here's the embodiment of pure evil and that's it. Let's just have them go at it. And this, you know, both sides here, both Ray and Kylo Ren have this deep, deep background and complexity and, and tension inside their own characters. And it's felt throughout the film in such a wonderfully consistent way that it just, I mean, it makes me really, really excited to see, you know, what other territory these films are going to explore. I thought to me, one of the more interesting elements of his character that they showed very well was, you know, for someone who is a, a dark side practitioner, he, 
um, embraces rage way more than uh, I think any of the other uh, Sith or Dark Jedi that we've seen in various media incarnations. Uh, yeah, his his force tantrum was great. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and it reflects well on. I mean, I guess it's his. It's maybe more the age in which he fall, but I think to what Matt was saying, um, you know, he we kind of see his final fall over the course of this movie. Uh, you know, there's still conflict in him, and it's so so much better executed and acted than you know, what was supposed to be the epic tale of uh, Darth Vader's fall to the dark side in the prequels. Yeah, but I I felt the ghost of that throughout the whole movie. Mm, and it yeah. was like, I understand he was a complex, more complex character than, you know, normal, but it still just kind of felt like a whiny kid who isn't living up to expectations and can't uh, handle the pressure. I feel like that would, that would be true, but... I, um. The situation he's he seems to be placed in makes it more believable to me. Um, the fact that it's happening after this huge loss for the Republic, um, or sorry, for the Empire, this huge loss for the Empire, and and so he's got to prove himself, right? They're just kind of like <laughs> done with these these Force upstart Jedi crazy people, and and so I think. I think that makes it a bit more believable that his petulance and whininess are a part of his character because he's just kind of like sick of trying to have to prove himself over and over again. But but he knows he's still also not to where he needs to be. And it's that inner conflict of completely turning himself over. Uh, That was interesting to me. I think it goes to, you know, the old the old Yoda line. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Like we saw the anger very visibly mm. and we hear the fear reference both in his own dialogue to when he's sort of talking to Darth Vader and during the whole um, mind probe scene with Ray when she starts to push back and talks about how much fear is in him. And we don't really see the hate, but I feel like the way the final battle, the final lightsaber battle ended, you know, we are now ready for, uh, for hate, and he's going to be so much darker and more evil in the way he lashes out in the next movie because of of the arc he experienced. Right, and I think that'll be a lot more satisfying. I think there's a lot of building going on. I just like he doesn't seem strong enough. You know, he he seems kind mm. of just like as as someone who's probably going to end up being not the ultimate bad guy, but you know. He survived to the second movie. He's obviously a major antagonist. Um, he's just kind of weak. He, he, he outlived Darth Maul. So. <laughs> well, and some of that's the fact that he's a kid too, right? I mean, he's still reasonably young in this story. And, you know, indeveloped as a person, undeveloped as a, as a Sith, uh, you know, dark side user. And... It, he seems to be, you know, kind of reacting and rebelling against that kind of growth in himself. I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens once he, once he finally in episode in the second or second uh, movie here uh, when he finally meets up with Star Wars Gollum. Mm. Can we talk about Snoke. how bad that was? Snoke, yeah. that 
That was okay, the name. That was one of the so hardest dumb. things for me to deal with. <laughs> isn't yep. that the? Isn't that now? Tell me, isn't that the tobacco thing that you sniff? <laughs> Snooze. Snooze. Here's here's Snarks. my thinking. Now is that different? Uh, Harry Potter took Snake and replaced a letter to get Snape, and this guy, <laughs> this scriptwriter, was like, "Let's do the same thing." Okay, Snake, Snake, Snoke. Aha. <laughs> There's got to be some screenwriting book that that tells you to do this. Well, yeah, and this is the this is kind of the part of the movie where the CGI went wrong. You oh know, it, yeah, where it, it nothing nothing about the way that this character exists in space makes any sense at all. And I realize that part of that is the characterization of him being a huge hologram. But beyond that, it's like his feel, his presence in the film is so flat and so uninspiring that I think that honestly the film would have been better off had he not been seen or heard from at all. That he was only had been alluded to. And I'm not sure what his presence really adds to the story. The only thing that can redeem it is if it turns out in in the next film that that whole hologram thing was actually just like a computer avatar thing that he made that that he doesn't look anything at all like that it was a yeah it was I, a misdirection think, there's no man behind the curtain you know what I, I mean? think it's an i think it's a total oz like <laughs> it and, better and, be and if well they make it look a lot like it especially the size thing but mm. i um i wonder if the back of my mind theory is that maybe uh, Luke is running Snoke. Like, is that totally nuts? Uh, to like that's, keep that, the that's first order nuts. busy. All right, I, I thought that was pretty out there, but I feel like you're right that some somebody is that Snoke is not who he seems to be. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was Andy Circus until the end credits. Uh, and I feel like it didn't use his ability to do a CG character performance. Oh, I realized it was Andy Circus because it was a mocap character from yeah. the way it moved. And I was all, obviously, it's Andy Circus. <laughs> I figured it was uh, Darth Plagueis, who was, uh, uh, what's his name? Palpatine's master. Mm. Always two there are. Hey, that's a good point, because didn't he, didn't he master... Uh... Life, yeah. Learned how to uh, bring people back from the dead or whatever. Yeah, but I thought Plagueis was, uh, he was one of the, what, whatever, what's the species that's like the bankers with the really tall heads? Mm. Ferengi? <laughs> <laughs> if, Moon, if JJ apparently. brings the Ferengi into the Star Trek, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch comes in, episode nine. <laughs> With no makeup. No makeup. So did anybody like Snoke? Anybody want to defend Snoke as a character? I think it's nice that uh, the weak people we saw weren't the, uh, the, the end-all bad guy, the big bad. Because um, Ginger Nazi and... Um, <laughs> spoiled Solo... I'm, you know, I'm not enthralled with with that. You know, final battle is like uh, it's like watching Jessica Jones over again. Talking about oh, general, spoilers, please. Oh, are you talking about General Huckster? God, Dad, mm-hmm. you're thinking of General Huxtable. 
Mm. Houston oh, pudding pops. You never go full Nazi. Uh, that's Olin Just Don't go full Nazi. Olin Do you Jengi. think we might be the bad guys? <laughs> I I kind of feel like the bad guys were pretty weak. I have to yeah. agree with Nick. Even the naming is just, just I don't know. It's just weird. Gen- fa- General Hux. Hux. Yeah. Hey, They're- my buddy Hux. The first I, I order found, is odd. Oh, <clears throat> go ahead, Carr. I, I was just going to say I was pretty disappointed what happened with uh, Captain Phasma. I, I wonder if there was some stuff that got right. cut. Right. Which one was that? The, the uh, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm honest. I don't know. The, the, the stormtrooper captain that got oh. uh, put into the trash. Oh, like, no. obviously, she'll be back. Uh, I, it's I this just, trilogy's. Um, Boba Fett. Yeah. Maybe she had a robot that could shut down all the all the garbage uh compaction on the detention level. That's a mm. that's a that's a reference. It's a it's so, a callback. So yeah. I I have a question along those lines. Um there is a lot in this film that kind of reconfigures things from the original trilogy. Um it's not subtly done by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm curious, how did, how did y'all react to that being the case where there were just so many things that are like, okay, here's this character's place in the universe. And here's this character's place in the universe. And we need a, you know, we need a Sarlacc pit. We need a a Boba Fett character. We need the big bad. We need the big bad's little friend who also happens to be a general. Uh, I, I mean, I think that, uh, and by the way, the leaf blower is done, so I'm going to start talking more. Hey, again. Uh, welcome the, back. I, hey, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so I think that a lot of the original Star Wars characters and stuff, anyway, they're they're very much like archetypal, traditional hero's journey kind of uh, of st- storylines and and characters and conflicts. I don't think there's anything about them that is necessarily. I don't think that if you're using them again, you're necessarily uh, aping the the originals uh, very hard. Um, and I didn't necessarily see the the parallels in some of those. Uh, I I didn't see a Boba Fett. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think I, there was a lot of repeating. It felt more like rhyming. Well, I, I mean, feel, Bo- I, Boba Fett more in the way that um, they made a big deal out of um, promotion and you know. And then there uh, wasn't much in the story. Merchandising, and then they're on screen for five minutes, and that yeah. was it. I think what bothered me is that there was a lot of people whose reaction was like, oh, it's just a new hope all over again. And and I think I think what happens with those people, and this is maybe like a real personal bone of mine, but like I think a lot of people mistake plot for story very, very often. And just because a plot is unique – doesn't mean the story is unique or the story is well done. Uh, it, sure. And so I think you reconfigure these archetypes like Rai was saying. And I think that's kind of what Star Wars is. It's like it's like a Western or it's like an opera. It's like mm. these these genre kind of stories where you can you can change them around a bit and you can do, you know, kind of new and and interesting things. But at some point you're working with the same set of ingredients, right? Right, it's it's, it's still culture all the way down. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, but the problem here's one problem I have with the the film is that they are they're finishing the dish with the same garnish. 
again. <laughs> mm. uh, Here's a giant weapon in the shape of a planet. That uh, yeah. Particularly... Yeah, I, that that was kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, I know, think it... a lot of this is wrapped up in the fact that this is the beginning of of a whole new era of Star Wars, and so they're they have this whole thing they have to do with transitioning like if it was just a very clean break i think a lot of people would be really dissatisfied so they did kind of have to like pay homage to the past and and that's a tricky situation i think they did it pretty well but i do understand some of that stuff is yeah the star what is it star eater star, star, star killer. killer star killer star whatever i'm just thinking was, about food it, now and now aaron that's because it literally kills a star i don't know if you caught that so it oh so it, <laughs> Oh, suns are stars. Yep. yep. Uh, the, oh. the 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 sun sun crusher sun eater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sun There's only sucker. one sun. Sun vampire. Ga- gas gas drinker. Well, mm. you know, if, if if it's one thing that we've learned in the Star Wars universe, it's that things oftentimes are just really really poorly named. <laughs> um, I was just uh, it, have you guys seen the documentary series? Everything is a remix. Yes. No. Yep. Okay. So I think was it it was either the first or second episode. I think it's the first one is all about how Star Wars pulls in all these elements like what what Aaron was talking about. And I think you know this is doing something very similar where it's I to me it felt like it was touching on a lot of the elements of the original t- trilogy, mostly a new hope, mostly ignoring the prequels and um uh, buffing them up for you know, like you said, this this plan where they're having a Star Wars movie, not necessarily a trilogy arc, but a Star Wars movie every year indefinitely. Like that's, you know, they're going full Marvel on this. And of course, that's a Disney product too. So it it's all in the house of mouse. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like um, the repetition didn't really get to me that much i mean i i kind of was like oh here we go again but they also pacing wise didn't spend too much time on the destruction of star killer base you know like it it compared to a new hope where it's pretty much an entire act and they go in the trench run and reuse the same effect shots yeah that, that i guess that was cutting it a little close to me in terms of what i'm willing to forgive like um i don't know i it it's tough. It's like, how do you reconcile with this? Like, how do you, how do you attempt to, especially in the very first movie that, that is really, I don't know. How do you, how do you reconcile the, the, all the uh, iconic history of this movie and the, and the emergency vehicles in the background of my recording with, you know, trying to like, I don't know, I guess the clean break, I wouldn't expect the first episode back to be a clean break. Uh, I would expect a lot of these callbacks, but some of them are just way too far, way too far. Yeah. Well, but we were, I mean, yeah, that's true. But I think we were saying that the majority of the content is Ray uh, and Kylo Ren and Finn, and they are pretty solidly different from their closest equivalent in the original trilogy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, the the pieces that end up being reconfigured um, serve this story well. That the the pieces 
come together. And even though you've seen a lot of the pieces before, they assemble onto the screen and assemble into a full film that you still enjoy a whole ton, even given the echoes that sometimes sometimes work and sometimes don't. It still all hangs together so particularly well that it's a lot easier to forgive. What did you guys think about the the amount of comedy in this one? Oh, I loved it. I was yeah, surprised it was, by it. It was it. funny. It was good. It was and it well wasn't, done. It wasn't the stupid slapstick of the prequels or um, some of the stuff in the Clone it, Wars animated or, series. It, it, yeah, it was funny. In the prequels, it was all like fart and burp based. It was like humor. buddy cops in the prequels. <laughs> no, this was so good. John Boyega was so on point. His... His timing, it, it, it was just amazing. So the only one that got to me, uh, I, I enjoyed most of the humor. The only one that got to me was uh, 3PO's entrance. But it was perfect because it was so terrible. Yeah, like I get that that's part of his character. But that particular moment that they're interrupting is the first meeting between Han and Leia that has so much going on in it that I was like, why does that have to be right there? Like, because why does that introduction have to be? Because <laughs> he's C-3PO. He's, the, he's I mean, literally the worst. He's a protocol that, that was, droid. And he yeah. has, like, he, he can't take a hint ever. It's us. Well, he was built by Anakin. What do you expect? He's us. I almost didn't really? recognize him with the red arm, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a weird red herring that got thrown in there. Like, but that, that line, did I miss something about that? Uh, he, that he, line at least works. So he, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, he's slowly converting to communism. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Maybe it'll turn out to be HK-47's arm. Yes. Oh, my goodness. HK-47. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Nerd. <Meet that. laughs> Please pay Google whatever you so find. many things during this episode. Google yeah. it, bag. Star Wars. <laughs> C3, an assassin droid. HK4. Is this? I don't know if this is canon, though. And not anymore. He's, uh, and he's rusty red. Was that yeah. rusty red? No, it was more of a he's metallic. A shiny, shiny. Yeah. Shiny. Hunter Killer. So we touched on uh, Finn briefly. Uh, and Matt heaped praises on him. There were a lot of points I did not like Finn. Hmm. Um, I felt uh, several times I, he's just so uh, I don't know, out of control. Or I had a couple of Jar Jar instant uh, <laughs> flashbacks. He was he could get a little wacky, right? He's like the, he seemed like he seemed like he was. He'd just gotten out of some sort of uh, a dentist operation and w- the drugs were wearing off. <laughs> he's, and he's, he talk, he's talking at like a mile a minute. And right. it's like, you know, how, how have you made a, it this far in life? Well, it, like makes, it makes sense, though, because he's a trash guy. Like he's a stormtrooper, but, but he, was, he was in charge of sanitation. <laughs> he's a I'm not failed stormtrooper in charge of sanitation. You're not convinced he's what? <laughs> he's human. Mm. Well, they've always been a little fuzzy or, in Star Wars with if everyone who looks human is actually human. Or organic, I should say. Or uh, natural. Not a cyborg. You know, or a clone. Oh, something. oh. They, they, didn't they mention that he he's kidnapped? All the, the current First Order Stormtroopers are kidnapped and reprogrammed from youth, like Brave, Brave New World style? Yeah, yeah they, but, men, they is mentioned that. Is that true? That. 
But that yep. might be the story that he, that they pass on about him or something. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. They, uh, we that. we never see Consider. any other stormtroopers unmasked, right? Mm-mm. And they and they you know and they do kind of you do get a very stern reprimand when you when you remove your mask. That's they interesting. Did, that's they interesting. did make uh, mention, um, <clears throat> you know, like be good or we'll have to bring in the clones, like they were the elite force now but you know who knows so there was some kind of division at least you know in the rank and file between clones and stormtroopers or i i my my take on is i feel like they were trying to sell that something wasn't quite right with him like like he like he'd been through a trauma or something that 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 made him this way so i so i bought it does that make sense like i think Barring that idea, I probably would have been a little bit taken back by his his little kind of wackiness. Well, he's under a lot of stress. Uh, is that too? You know, he's he's a, a pretty daring moment of escape. Pretty pretty desperate. Uh, you know, obviously without knowing his whole history, which again is another thing I'm fine with. Uh, it's it's obviously a moment of of great stress and uh, and great uh, you know. Uh, uh, mental undertaking in terms of rebelling against this and, and, uh, thing well, that he's and obviously, raised on. Obviously, the fact that he's the only stormtrooper that we've seen do something like this, break rank and, and not listen to his orders and try to run away, it, it, it makes sense that he's going to have a different personality, right? I think I think that, that kind of makes sense too. Yeah. The only particular thing that bar- that bothered me about Finn and his characterization was the kind of the flipping of the switch between being brave and being a coward that has to go on pretty quickly. So we have him being at the cantina and wanting to run away and working actively towards getting as far away from the main action as he possibly can. And then Ray gets kidnapped and all of a sudden he's like, I have to be in the middle of it right now and I'm going to lie and cheat and steal to to get there and i think that at that particular bit was asking us an awful lot to believe like there's an awful lot invested in the relationship between finn and ray or at least in that one direction of it uh than necessarily ended up being on screen for us to find yeah his attachment to ray throws me off a little bit like i i can't can't i don't understand where exactly it's coming from i mean yeah they went through traumatic situations together but like i don't know he's like got a um uh, overly attached to her i feel like for the the amount of time he's known her but that's sort of reflective of his relative immaturity right like we don't obviously we don't know a lot about his background but he's he's been a he's only been a program stormtrooper as far as we know so he's probably got some sort more like childish crush kind of tendencies. Right. My take on him is that he was like a freshly hatched teenager, if that makes sense. Like, Mm. so, so he's kind of come out of this experience and all of these hormones and ideas and things that are kind of flooding the surface. So it's like as a stormtrooper romance or, or or something like that is not a possibility. And he falls into this situation with this, this woman who he's, he's obviously like attracted to, (laughs) <laughs> and he's trying to he wants to prove to her you know that he's he's this this guy that can take care of her and protect her and and it turns out it's quite the opposite it, that that to me seems like if if someone was just hatched as a teenager 
So I think that's kind of what is going on with him. There's there's obviously something about his former stormtrooper life that that kept kept these things under lock. If that makes sense. Mm. Well, and he has a, a different uh, bro bromance with the Poe. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> bromance with the Poe. There's a title. Poe Poemance. Finn. Finn Poe OTP, which I can understand. They went through, you know, he, he helped him escape that well, they helped each other escape and, and so forth. And so, you know, it's like, Hey, we're bros, bros. And the jacket and the jacket. Yeah, can you let him keep, keep it? Keep my jacket. Yeah. No, we're definitely, I'm totally chipping them too. I mean, <laughs> if, uh, if they exchanged, uh, you know, like, uh, class rings or something, it'd be complete. <laughs> Did he wear her, his pin is, is that how it works? There are a lot of pins in the resistance and rebellion. I mean, they got all those. <laughs> so does anybody else think that Poe was a little bit too good of a pilot? Yeah. I, I, one of my complaints about, about the film in general is that there's too many storylines or characters going on. And I think the one that stands out is Poe. I don't even remember his last name. How the Pope. Dameron. 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 Poe. Uh, Dan- yeah, what? Dannon. Dannon? Like yogurt? <laughs> uh, Poe Danube. Uh, I don't... Yeah, it, I feel like he's going to be a very interesting character. He, he's obviously important, but there's just not a whole lot of explanation about him. He just kind of pops out of nowhere, which, I mean, we've talked about that, so I don't want to like go on and on about that. But, yeah. I feel like he could have he done with maybe having like a a separate TV show or something, you know what I mean? To explain him. I don't know. Is, Just, do we know? I don't know. And I know. Uh, is he going to be in the Rogue One uh, movie? That's what no, I'm the, the timeline wouldn't make sense because that's before A New Hope. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe his uh, one of his parents is in Rogue Squadron. I think I saw something that he's the child of a rebel pilot. Oh. I, everybody's got to be mother and and daughter, or father and son here. It's just, I, ho- I hope not. I, I, it's a family well, <laughs> movie. It's a it's a large galaxy. There what? can't be that many people. <laughs> well, who are related. well if if you go with the theory that like the original series is about Anakin, or you know maybe it transitions to being about Luke, but it's all about Skywalker's. It's Skywalker's all the way down. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's fa- it's it's all family because <clears> in the. In the trailer, the the voiceover that they're they're using is the you know the force is strong in our family little speech, and I think I think that's kind of the theme. So it makes sense. I hope it doesn't prolong that. I hope that doesn't go on and on and on forever. But it makes sense in in this movie. I feel like. But like the you know like this next trilogy has to follow the thread of the previous two trilogies, which are about Skywalkers. Right. So it has to be about Skywalkers somehow. They're also kind of straightjacketed by Order 66 having wiped out. I mean, there's only so many times that they can say, oh, a Jedi or Force-sensitive person who somehow escaped the Purge, you know, uh, that wasn't a child of Skywalker. Right. Let's talk about genetic bottleneck. You know, every day a (laughs) Force-sensitive person is born. (laughs) uh, That's something I was wondering about. Is that actually canon that you can be born... Force sensitive without force. Can you be a muggle born force sensitive? Midi chlorians. It's all midi chlorians, you know? Oh. 
Um, erm, so I believe you're talking about Squib. It's a failed Jedi. In the call, Mike. <laughs> also, here's another thing. How did they get the, the lightsaber back? Oh, see, that's great. They're garbage we already trip. know it's a story that we don't get to hear because the wise black alien told us. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that, that's, that certainly seems a, a, a stretch, uh, you know, seeing where it, I actually was, I actually was super confused. I'm one of those people who was confused and I thought it was Luke's, I, I don't know. I thought it was the wrong lightsaber. I was very confused, but I, I was even more confused once I realized what it was supposed to be and it, that it fell down a garbage chute into a cloud, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a uh, a trash reclaiming population below the Cloud City. I'm not sure. The Ugnauts. Uh, I think you're thinking of uh, space dwarves. Thank you, sir. I don't have a bell, so I just say thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought because it did appear to be the original Anakin lightsaber, right? Well, and they say that. It was both Luke's and Darth Vader's. I mean, I mean Anakin's. I think that's yeah, mentioned one, in the, the one film. From a New Hope. It is mentioned in A New Hope. So, Your father wanted me to give this to you when you're old enough. Right. Yeah. I like that. There's uh, a GIF or a split split image of of that that scene in A New Hope and the very last scene in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> and the caption is, "I hate you. Give my saber to Luke when he's old enough." <laughs> <laughs> well, but that just—I mean—the prequels messed up a lot of their establishment oh, facts. But you know, you you can pretty strongly argue that Obi Wan lied about a lot of stuff for his own reasons. His I, own uh, view. Yeah, that final lightsaber battle in the snowy forest was so good, though. Mm. Oh yeah. Like that was, um, I don't know if we want to get into like lightsaber battle ranking, but that was high up there and certainly beats the one at the end of Revenge of the Sith, which I otherwise mostly liked, even though it was a prequel festival. I liked that, that, that Finn got to fight with a lightsaber, but it, the, the, the fighting was so well choreographed that. It it was obvious he didn't know what he was using really, you know. He was just hacking. Yes. Right. You know, like like you you pick up a machete and start hacking. And yeah, so right. that was just really, really well done. And I the only watching, reason he had a chance is because Ren was already injured. Right. I love watching uh non force sensitives use a lightsaber. It's they're just like <laughs> The the Kylo Ren injury was interesting because I don't know about you, but it really felt real to me because when I get injured, I like to repeatedly pound myself. Absolutely. <laughs> That's like the best cure. Is Who that, even a, is that a farming thing? Is that good when you're – that, does that come from the – when I, when I ask, about the soil? Right, right. When you accidentally uh, cut yourself with your plow. I, yeah. I think Rub some dirt in it. I think he's just trying to wake up the midichlorians. I thought that's called Pika. <laughs> oh, no. Pico. Pika Pika? No, Pika. No, that's Force Lightning. Oh. <laughs> Force Awakens. Sorry. Wikipedia Force Awakens. has nothing about how, it, how the lightsaber is reobtained. It just says it ends up in the hands of uh, Maz 
Kanata. Oh yeah, well, lightsabers I, there, and then the the falcons on this planet in a junkyard. Yeah. And- I honestly think that the lightsaber story is likely to be one of those stories that pops back up in a film in a couple yeah. of years. So in a, one of these, you know, one of these one-off movies is going to be about, oh, and here's this, you know, or at least will contain part of, here's how this, you know, made it from Cloud City to Forest Planet. Wait, wait is Billy D in the next movie? Is Billy Which D. Williams? Is Billy D. Williams? Is that Lando? Lando. Lando. He's not a system. So the you other know, thing I really liked about the that final battle, and this is maybe more a question for Nick as the other EU aficionado on the call, uh, it seemed like Ray used Jedi battle med- meditation, and I was trying to remember if we've seen that used in any of the other movies. Um, I think it was implied that uh, Yoda did in Attack of the Clones. Uh, I guess so. When he gets all, he sort of sh- changes uh, significantly. Yeah, I guess that probably was that. And then he literally flips out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Yoda, like Yoda and Maz Kanata obviously were a item at some point, right? <laughs> no, no, no. She's into Wookies. Yep, that's the that's the text there. Takes all kinds, I guess. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think about the comedy in this movie? Mm. What's your favorite comedy meant? <laughs> uh, that out. A lightsaber so, through the chest. <clears throat> what's your favorite Rathgar sauce? So one thing that, that's really cool in this movie that doesn't exist in the other Star Wars movies, and, and I'm pretty sure it's been podcasted about before. I haven't heard every... I haven't heard the extended podcast universe of Force Awakens recordings, but <laughs> one thing I love is all the all the stuff that takes place on land. The the idea of a Tie Fighter air raid is super cool. The idea of a crashed uh, Imperial destroyer is super cool. Uh, uh, the the idea of a lightsaber battle in the snow in the forest is super cool. Uh, all that stuff is really well done to me and really kind of brings a, a life and a and a and a sort of vibrancy to to this movie that that I think has not existed in any other other Star Wars movies. Yeah, that was always and, one of my favorite things about uh, a Star Wars video game would have like a a planet that's like a starship graveyard because of some battle that happened. And you what, just have what these I sweeping really landscapes. liked was the sets on, on on in every case seemed uh like real and believable as opposed to stuff in the prequels where it it seemed like everything was made by Disney Imagineers and and I I don't know how what to how to account for all of that cuz I I'm not a huge I don't know everything about movie making but it 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 seemed really apparent to me that that there was like great lengths taken to make things look kind of natural and real as opposed to cool cuz I feel like the <laughs> the desire from the prequels was, Oh, let's make this look as cool as we possibly can. We've got a team of 20 people, designers designing the, the, the outside of the, all of the buildings in this set. And, and here it, it seemed like it was just designed to look real. And I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's in keeping with the, uh, with the original trilogy in that way. You know, that was, that was always a great thing about it. Um, 
in the prequels abandon that entirely. This is this is a a return to that sort of form, that sort of production design. Uh, it's it's really nice. Do you guys like movies? The other the other kind of major advancement that really caught my attention um, both times that I saw it was the interaction between what's happening on the ground and what's happening in the air occupying the same frame. Mm. So you have, and especially in the the forest planet, kind of in the ruins of of the of the cantina there. Um, there's an interaction between the characters as they're fighting on the ground and the the rebel pilots that are flying over them. And there's actual interactions between what's going on in the top half of the frame and what's going on in the bottom half of the frame. So it's not just like, oh, we've, take, we've taken two things and composited them together or we're cutting back and forth, but rather that the action occupies the same space and that we can take a camera and kind of you know fly it through that space. I thought that was really, really awesome and is done particularly well in that scene and in other scenes as well. Yeah. Do, do you all have like a, a favorite effect? I know we all talked about how much we disliked the whole Snoke stuff, but like was there was there a, a moment in the movie where, like what Matt was just saying, where there was like a particularly well-executed effect, you know, practical CG mixed, whatever. I, I think for me, I, I really loved that, uh, Kylo Ren freezing the blaster bolt uh, in the opening mm-hmm. sequence that Poe shoots, and it's just sitting there crackling. Uh, yeah, that was, that was yeah. good. Yeah, and, and, and then it, and then it. it exactly. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the fly through we talked about with the Millennial Falcon flying through those 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 old ruins. I I felt like they could have made the them more detailed, but they made they made everything look like it actually would as these separate planes of shadow and light because that's that's what you're going to actually be seeing. I, I, I feel like it it added a, a lot of authenticity but still made for this really grand, amazing shot. I, I, it was just really cool. The thing I always look for is the, uh, the planet explosion. The Praxis sure. ring? Yeah, and <laughs> I, it was one of the things that they did – um, to the enhanced movies that I thought wasn't too terrible. Um, but the, you know, the original explosion of Alderaan I've always kind of liked. Yeah, the destruction of the planet at the end uh, of the Starkiller base, rather, is particularly good. I um, especially kind of held up against the special edition uh overdone explosions this one seemed Mm. to have the right balance between being spectacular and you know being generated they never should have used red matter in their thermal regulator (laughs) you know that 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 last battle too in in the in the in the snow with the the lightsabers where every once in a while lightsaber would slice through a tree that that looked really really cool or when they were like holding, they were they were holding, you know, fighting against each other. The lightsabers were against each other, and it was starting to melt the snow. And there was like the snow was sublimating up into the air off the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me Google sublimation here. <laughs> I, I it was not a particular effect, but I I did think, and this is one little shot that was that stood out in one of the early trailers, uh, maybe the first trailer, 
first teaser. Uh, the 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 Tie Fighter hangar was really well done. All the all the sort of the physics of it, all the like uh, you know Dutch angles, uh, the 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 idea of a chain down Tie Fighter slamming against its its uh, leash, uh, trying to get out, and then it, it just the the I felt very much like the physics of that hangar and the like it's interesting to see that tie fighter in such close quarters and and seeing how it i don't know the dynamics and the physics of it were all really cool to me and really convincing the other thing i liked about that scene particularly again is the the sound design of it like the the sound of the tie fighter as it's flying through space and kind of how it had to be cut down and sliced to fit the way the you know it was kind of jerking off of the end of the chain all of that worked really really well yeah, I like that moment because Poe suddenly like slams it into gear, and it and it, and the sound shifts to be the full traditional Tie Fighter sound. Yeah, and it's another great. It's sort of the classic Star Wars moment of the pilot uh, exhibiting confidence, and then you know the you know kind of equivalent moment uh, where the hyperdrive fails or the you know the Tie Fighter is chained down. Uh, it's it's a it's a classic moment and it works really well and it it feels really cool in that mm-hmm. in that space. Um, another thing I liked about that I I, I wonder at the with the destruction of Starkiller Base at the end, um, do you think Ray would have coup de grade Kylo Ren if the earthquake hadn't separated them? Like it seemed like that was what was flashing across her eyes. Especially after their whole, you know, interrogation moment earlier in the movie. I don't know. I really felt like she was going to. And that's why when the earthquake thing happened, I was glad for it. I I think that's what they were trying to to point towards. Yeah, Yeah, that's how I reacted. I don't know, because her her characterization to that point doesn't seem to align quite with that. Like her her motivation always seems to be for escaping and getting away and less for the revenge or you know taking my enemy down and so that's kind of how i read that last scene there is just that she was trying to get away the best that she could and then of course the plot has to happen and we you know we need them to not kill each other because there needs to be more movies it's the force i know there's a there's some effects towards the end of the movie when uh, there's some kind of helicopter circling and they've they've <laughs> they've uh, decided to get some kind of super shaky camera that's out of focus. That's I think it's a GoPro. Standard definition. Not it's a 3D GoPro on a it's not uh, a GoPro. <laughs> that, not a GoPro. That, those, those effects really blew me away with how bad they were. Too many Christmas. <laughs> That's how they end the movie. That's how they end the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I know. It's the ending. It's like, oh, why? Why does R2 wake up? After that. Uh, because he's the last Chekhov's, piece. He's Chekhov's astromech droid. <laughs> ah. The last There's piece of the map of shows up finally. There are a lot of things in this ha- in this film that happen because they need to happen in order for the film to work. And that's yeah. just – I mean, again, the the – the the earthquake separating them, you know, the uh, uh, Finn happening to land close enough to Ray on the planet to get you know to get there. It's the Force. It's the Force. It's awakening, guys. 
Hmm. It it binds them all together. It doesn't it hit the snooze them button. All. <laughs> then the darkness finds them. So I did hmm. find on uh, Amazon the there's a prequel uh, book that talks about Finn, Ray, and Dameron. So I've already ordered these, and the, unfortunately that one's out of stock. I ordered the Visual Dictionary and the what's the other thing the cross section book i went ahead and ordered that force awakens incredible cross sections but i'm i'm i really want to read the uh, before the awakening book um learn more about dameron i i'm i'm betting that he's just a po boy from a po family nobody <laughs> <laughs> likes him not enough vodka in this Moscow Mule for that. <laughs> can we can we talk about the celebrity cameos? Have you guys heard about all those? What is Shakira in it? Uh, Daniel mm. Craig as uh, Stormtrooper. Right, he's the is one it? that the Force mind power thing works over. He's the one who yeah who gets uh, tricked by Ray in the yeah, wedding. Oh, is this a real thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and the and- voice the voice of BB the BB8 sound effects were done by. Uh, Ben Schwartz and uh, Bill Hader. Whoa. Yeah. Did I see in the credits, too, that Radiohead producer Nigel Godrich also plays mm-hmm. a, a Stormtrooper or somebody? Yeah, yeah. Simon Pegg is the, uh, oh, the... You're the fucking junk with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what that. about Paul Hollywood? I don't know. I know Shaquille O'Neal played Chewie for just a scene. <laughs> Oh, uh, Greg, what's his name? Shows up. He's in all of J.J. A- Abrams's movies. Right, right. The uh, Heroes guy? Gr- yeah, Greg. Gr- Greg Greenberg. He's got some name like Wonton or something. Or Greenberg. Weevil. Snap Wexley. <laughs> Snap Wexley, that's it. Um, Neil Patrick Harris actually played C-3PO. <laughs> so I I have one question on the cameo front. Mm-hmm. Um. There are many uh, Empire minions who show up in the in this film. I swear that one of them is the captain slash admiral that Vader promotes in this in uh, in Episode Five. I thought I recognized. Is that him? Is that the same? Is that the same guy? I've only seen it once. I couldn't check, but I it seemed I I recognize him too. He would have to be too old, wouldn't he? I mean, he's he was like forty something in Empire, and that's thirty five years ago. Well, maybe it's his son. Yeah, it's 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 a family movie. Maybe it's the actor's literal son is cameoing as his son in the movie. His cameos all the way down. Hmm. Vader's burnt helmet, played by Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't know that yeah isn't there a way on imdb to do a cross section of actors to movies i don't know use the the imdb api does does let me just ask does imdb have an api that accesses a cross section of people in this movie and ingredients in a yoohoo <laughs> does that is that exposed at all or do you need to kind of hack into that with the terminal Carnuba wax. Mm. Is that a SATA thing, Nick? Can you can you tell that's a SATA? So what I, are sorry. there are there uh are there, is there anything else that you uh, would change about this movie? Hmm. An intermission. Else. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, like no uh, Death Star 3. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. why no do they keep building run? them? They keep breaking, right? They keep nope. not see, working. They didn't build it again. They built one bigger. <laughs> but yeah. like, stop building spherical laser shooting things. Try <laughs> well, something else. Right. And then it, they it blew up sh- the capital, and it didn't seem to uh, like resonate as much as I think it should have. Just make it look mm-hmm. different. Like it doesn't need. I mean, it can still be a super weapon. I'm perfectly okay with that. Just make it look different. Make it something other than big sphere, big hole in the center of it, massive laser comes out. Talking about blowing up the capital, the the shots of those different planets being exploded by the the laser. Um that that was interesting because it paralleled the shot that the the shots that Lucas added into Return of the Jedi of the celebration ceremonies going mm. on the separate planets, it really stuck out to me that it was almost like we're destroying this <laughs> one at a time. Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose, but that's what I saw. So I, I was wondering if that was supposed to be Coruscant, but according to no, Wikipedia, it's, it's some other planet. Mm. But I guess yep. I was thinking of Coruscant from the EU where it becomes the center of the New Republic for a while. Yeah, apparently the New Republic is centered on this other system, and that's what they—that's what they blew up. I was also confused because they showed a bunch of. I was very confused by the angles of the weapon firing, because it seemed like planets that were hyperspace distance away were like to one side and could see the shot, you know, going from Starkiller Base across their sky. That stuff doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, like <laughs> it looked cool, but it it kind of goes back to the whole thing where, from Empire where I guess they were kind of always in the same system, like Hoth and Anoit and Bespin, but because they didn't need hyperspace to go between them, but right. it seemed like it was more than one sun i don't know it was weird i guess i'm i'm putting on my neil hat nobody wants you to be a neil yeah that stuff That's... didn't bother me in the film at all like that never took yeah, me out of the film really watching either. it this is okay, something yeah, that that's true. you know it's after the fact at, much much that. after the fact same um back to mike's question i know that we're traveling backwards a little bit um the, the only scene that i would change um, General Hux has this uh, speech before firing the weapon the first time that should never have been in the film. Right? I oh don't remember. God. That entire scene should have made it onto the cutting room floor. Like, why is have, he so angry? It, there's, almost none of it makes sense. Like why he's assembling this group of people. I mean other than to make it you know, more Nazi imagery, which I don't know why, but – Okay, whatever. Um, His speech is his speech is horrible. Like it's not inspiring at all. He doesn't give an interesting performance in it. And the only thing that needs to happen for the story is for the Senate to blow up. And so it's like, why don't you just have someone pressing a big button? It's like that's the that to me was the only scene. Kind of going back through and thinking about it, I was like, I I just don't, I don't know why that's there. Why does that need to be there? It was awkward watching it. I was like, uh, how long is this going to go on? He keeps going and going and going, and why is he's not even explaining like why he's so pissed off? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, huckster! I think for me the. 
the reason it it didn't bother me as much as it is it was at that time I was kind of realizing that there was this real competition to Kylo Ren that Kylo Ren wasn't going to be the Darth Vader of this whole situation. So that's, I feel like that's maybe kind of what that was supposed to explain, but yeah, in, in retrospect, it definitely seems too much. It was over the top. Right. It just, you know, it didn't serve a purpose. I think is, is Mm. uh, something I would agree with that somebody may have said didn't, didn't serve a purpose. This, all the scenes in a movie like this should, should serve a purpose. They should move something along. They should tell us something. This didn't. And the cars are honking. <laughs> Speaking on, of moving along. <laughs> on Pico Boulevard tonight there. <laughs> Pico Boulevard. Pico. Pia Pico. Pico. So here's uh, someone who I didn't notice was in the film, but uh, Warwick Davis. Mm. Who's that? Willow. He's- He's Willow. He originally, he originally played one of those little bear people in the last film that y'all don't like right. very much. Wicked. I like the Ewoks. I've, I'm, I'm taking a stand on this. I, I've always liked the Ewoks. I don't understand. Little bear people. It would have been fine except for the party at the end. The party at the end just kind of like it does it for me. It's, it's – <laughs> I just I'm, – I'm ready for all of them to die. Yub nub. <laughs> Except that they even ruined that in the special editions, right? Oh, like they, yeah. Like That's they changed the music they... and they, they cut to the different celebrations, which give a whole different political context There's to the like Battle of Endor. dancing and, around. Yeah. It's the worst. Right. Yeah, I can't the, watch that garbage. It's I can't a, do this it. is a whole different show. Be specialized <laughs> all the way. Um, and another person uh, was uh, Judah Friedlander. He's the world champion. The world champion. Also on Thirty Rock, yeah. Who is it? Who is he? He's the guy who always wears the trucker hat. Says no, in the in the hugs. Oh, he's a uh, a unnamed bar patron. Huh? Right, right there. Yeah, yeah. The one in the hat. <laughs> Did his hat say Universe Champion or <laughs> long, Champion a long time ago? <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Um... Somewhere just now, looking at at Wikipedia, that the the red uh, smuggler, or whatever that Finn was gonna go run off to the outer rim with to escape everything, was wearing the helmet that's like the same species as General Grievous from the prequels. Like it had the same little eye slits and head horns and stuff. Hmm. hmm. Wikipedia, which is never. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Alright, I have a, a few rapid fire questions here, some theories that I want to input on, and then I think we probably should wrap it up. You mean this is the force lightning round? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um oh. Alright. Um I was gonna say let's go oldest to youngest, but I don't know who's the oldest. So uh, first off, who is Ray's parents? And let's start with Nick Gallup. I'm going to go with uh, Leanne Han. Okay. Nick Ward? Luke and an as-yet-unintroduced female Jedi. Aaron? 
Yeah, Luke and somebody else. Matt? I'm going to have to go with that there there really are parents who just went away. The unnamed, unimportant parents. And Rye? I'm sorry, I could... What was the question? <laughs> I don't even, uh, are you being serious? No, sir. Nope, okay. nope. You can cut that out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I... Uh, I hope no nobody that we've been introduced to yet. Uh, I feel like it's probably Luke and some unknown. Um, it would be great because he can say, I'm Luke. I am your father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leave that in the show, please. Of all the many, many things that can never, ever happen in this trilogy, there it is right there. Just no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> she hands him the lightsaber and says Luke Skywalker you're my only hope <laughs> I'm going to start a spinoff network uh, leave, that in, leave that in the show <laughs> you better get the twitter handle now before leave that yeah, in the show <laughs> FM gets it I want to trade me Spotify for fucking <laughs> <laughs> Would you like Spotify membership? Pat, <laughs> I love you, I know. Oh my god. So that's the only question I can really think of. That's a good round. Mm-hmm. If if anybody uh, has, else has an idea, then throw it out. Okay. I, I believe there has been insufficient love for BB-8 on this podcast. Ooh. Um, that is because this droid appears on the screen and I love him immediately and i honestly have to debate do i love him more than r2d2 i don't know and that scares me so here's the question r2d2 or bb8 go r2d2 nick ward who uh i don't know i mean uh i i think i'm gonna have to stick with r2 but it's hard because uh uh he had such a weird version in the prequels, whereas BB-8 is like a a new and pure and cute little droid, whereas R2 is always a little sassier. But I think R2 just barely. Aaron? BB-8. I didn't think I would, but yeah. Matt? I will also go with BB-8 because I just, I love the idea of a little kid droid. Right. Yeah, uh, what was the? Uh, uh, I would go with R two because he can uh, he can actually fight. You know, he's he's fought back. He's tough. He's he's a veteran. Uh, well, now you know BB eight does shock Poe. He's the, a veteran. Not not Poe. Excuse me. Uh, rather Finn in the on the desert planet. And he's got a lighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got a lighter. It's pretty good. <laughs> Although I do love R two D two because my niece. Can't say the the name for some reason, so she calls him R two Duty Do, which is fun. It's called Onomatopoeia. <laughs> My issue with uh, BB eight was a little. It was a little too Pixar, maybe, and as if that's I, a bad thing. It's not yeah, a I, bad thing, but it, it felt a little. Um, I don't know, not Star Warsy or something. It was the irony, so of earnest. Course, is it, it was a practical effect as opposed to the Pixar uh, animation stuff. It was more it's about just, its personality. It's because it's not just all made with computers, right? 
<laughs> uh, right now, I'm leaning towards uh, BB-8 because uh, at this point, he's only one movie in, but he does not seem to have a continually changing range of skills as R2-D2 does. He's not go-go gadget everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think BB-8 was one of the few things in this that was like new and clean, with maybe the exception of the Resistance uh, X-Wings. It, it, this kind of captured, especially on Jakku, but other parts as well, that that older look. And even the whole Imperial stuff on Starkiller Base, like, yeah, it was the sort of stark, black, shiny stuff from the original Death Star interiors, but there was exposed rock because it was actually built into a planet instead of being a, a constructed thing. I don't know. Very I just James Bond to me. Yeah, it did Building have that in a volcano. Yeah, it had that yeah. volcano lair vibe. But just in general, the 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 positive thing about Star Wars generally, other than the prequels, is that the idea that everything sort of feels useful and well used and loved, and um, you know, objects have stories, and they're not just these clean uh, technological terrors, as it were. All right. Does anybody have any closing statements? We are dangerously close to two hours. Yes, I have a closing statement to make. <clears throat> this film is good. It's very good, and uh, and you should see it. And I say that as someone who doesn't have any particular fondness for the original trilogy. So I think that speaks well. All right. Anybody else? Uh, here, here. <laughs> Leave I'm that excited. in, please. Please. Yeah, I'm really excited for what is going to happen next. I I I went into the movie thinking about all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff and how that's so fun, how it ties all in together, even if there are disappointing Jessica Joneses every once in a while. But no spoilers. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um It was good until the end-ish. It was all right until the end, but um uh, yeah, I, I I just looked at it with all of these possibilities of how these unexplained things can become their own storylines and, and how that's kind of really refreshing. Because to me, I've always grown up with Star Wars having already happened. There wasn't new Star Wars until there was new Star Wars. And then I wish there wasn't new Star Wars. So <laughs> this is kind of kind of really was exciting to see all the possibility. 512 days until episode eight i think you're thinking of 500 days of summer only 300 and diggity until uh rogue one uh, rp is 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 anybody excited for rogue one yeah i'm yeah, gonna check I'll, that out i'll enjoy I'll, I'll enjoy seeing it i don't think i'm as excited for it as i was for for the force awakens yeah. I'll, I'll get excited about him until there's a a stinker and then i'll then i'll you know be heartbroken and uh, stay at home and Never, uh, never cut my fingernails. What? I'm, I'm a little, now that I've seen seven, I feel a little disappointed to try to go back. I want, I want to, I want to learn more about these characters we've just learned about or just been introduced to. I see. I mean, I know if they said, well, we're not going to do rogue one. We're just going to do seven. It wouldn't really move seven up or not seven, eight. It wouldn't move eight up in the queue, but. I understand. You're saying it's not a storytelling priority for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think um, 
my my conclusion would be i mean it was it was good it was it was really good both as a movie and a star wars movie and yes like everything rhymed with the original trilogy i in, i wouldn't i say rhyme not repeated but in the most cases all of those points it was like the better refined distilled modernized version with a few exceptions that we've talked about um of sort of the same overall story beats but yeah it's just it's it's a modern take on the story that i've seen so many times i don't remember not having seen it uh and so i i am also kind of coming into it as as a parent perspective i mean theo's only two so he's not going to be watching it for a while but he already has the the coloring book and calls star wars pew pew so uh, (laughs) in, in a few years uh you know, this is probably going to be his Star Wars. This because the let's see when the third one comes out, he'll be six. So maybe yeah, that's I guess that's a little early still. But um, I, I think you know this will be his core trilogy growing up. Uh, or certainly the the branding that he'll be exposed to. Hopefully by uh, six, he'll have a podcast and he can yeah discuss some can, of that. The pew pew cast. I'm thinking yeah. You'll have to run with that. Or Popo cast. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think that cough signaled the death of this episode. Mm-hmm. I'll probably <laughs> just cut it right about there. <laughs> I don't know, guys. We're only two minutes from out talking the uh, running time of the film. So. I, am, I am ready to record at any time. <laughs> so it sounds like all of you are planning to explore the, the new... EU at least a little. Uh, I know Nick's read the visual guide already, and I'm I'm planning on reading Aftermath and some of the other new novels. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I read Aftermath. I'll definitely watch uh, the the first couple of spinoff movies, though. Um, but yeah, I don't. I've been burned on Star Wars books, so I'm not sure I'm going to go back to that particular well again. I'd love some suggestions on like the best best possible place to start with it, but I you know I don't know I'm not sure it never never occurred to me before, but I am kind of curious. The thing about reading is you can't do it while you listen to podcasts. So, so true. I don't have that much time. So also, while you edit podcasts, turns out yeah, you can listen to podcasts and do a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. True enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm open for some new good. Star Wars video games, because uh, I don't know. From what I've heard, Battlefront isn't quite that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I want I want a Bioware game or or something like the old X Wing flight simulator, yeah, like right that final that final battle with uh, Poe's final attack run would be a really fun level in the in the classic X Wing. I, I I don't know. You know, Lego Star Wars is pretty awesome. That's true. That's a great that's a great set of games, and there will probably be a really excellent The Force Awakens entry. Can't win well, that series. Here's the problem. I've got this on I've got it on my Steam wish list. Lego Star Wars the complete saga. That's mm-hmm. a, now that's a lie. Yeah. That's it's true. not the complete saga. It's only uh six sevenths of the saga. Shame on them. I it feels like they need to patch it. They need to patch in the rest of the games. A little the rest almost of the with a carrot. Put it on GitHub. Clone the repo. <laughs> Force right. push. <sighs> oh. Somebody play the Williams music and get the credits going.
Bye-bye.